Welcome to Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Anyway, let's also welcome up Magdi as he comes to share the word with us this morning. And uh, let's pray for him and ourselves. Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Magdi and his love for you. Thank you, Father, for your love for him. And thank you, Father, that it's your will to share your good news, what's on your heart with us, your church family. And so, Father, we, we say we're here. Help us to be attentive to your word this morning. Help us to really take in what it is you're saying. May we be good soil for it. And not just for listening, but Lord God, that it would change and transform us from the inside out. Bless Magdi, fill him with your spirit, that he may share with boldness your word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Is it still morning? Good morning, if it's still morning. Good afternoon, if it is, I don't know. Good morning, yeah? Still Yeah? He had it telling me it's good morning. So, Good morning, church. How are you doing? Doing well? Okay, so we are in an introductory series to the year's theme, and the year's theme is about being shaped, shaped by God. And this is the imagery that we're getting from uh, the potter's house and the clay and the potter, that we are the clay, and we will allow Jesus to shape us, or the Holy Spirit to shape us into what he wants. The key word shape us into what he wants. And we'll spend the whole year into that. We started last Sunday, and David was talking to us about that there are three things if we're going to uh, look at being shaped by God. And the first is dependence. To live our lives in Christ-centered dependency. We are depending on Christ. All our dependency centered on Christ Jesus, his will, his power, everything. Yeah? Do you agree on that with that? Yes? Do you agree? (laughs) Do you agree with that? Good. Okay. And the second thing, and you will have to agree with that as well, is is actually live our lives in Christ-centered devotion. And I don't know how you feel uh, when you hear the word devotion, but we, especially churches, I mean, uh, when we say devotion, it's usually like, you know, when we say, oh, uh, Harry's going to share a devotion, it's like a verse in a minute and a half maximum, okay, and uh, a blessed thought. That's not really what the Bible means by devotion, and definitely that's not what David means by devotion in a Christ-centered devotion. But devotion, biblically, is you being consecrated, is you entering in a covenant, it's you making a vow and staying like that. So, for example, when, when Abraham had a covenant with God, okay, there was circumcision, there was a sign for a covenant. And the sign wasn't just for Abraham, Every single boy born in that covenant, okay, would be circumcised. All right? 
uh, when Israel signed their covenant with God at the foot of Mount Sinai, there were words that they need to obey. There were rules that they would need to follow. Okay? And some of them were just to say that I'm devoted. Okay? Uh, I know you can't imagine that, but you want to eat bacon. All right? You want to even eat cheeseburger. Because who knows if the milk of the cheese is coming from the same source as the meat and blah, blah, blah. Okay? I can't think about that. Talia Telli, Alfruta de Mare. Yeah? That's, that's what you want to eat. But you would love God enough. You would choose God above your pleasure. It's not that Taliatelli al Fruta de Mare is, is, would say anything wrong with it, no. But I'm choosing you more than. Choosing you more than my bacon rolls. Sounds silly. Well, another thing is actually when you are a Nazarite, like we heard from Steph, she was sharing about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, since he was in his mother's womb, he didn't eat or drink anything fermented. He didn't drink anything fermented. He didn't eat anything fermented. He didn't go to the barber ever. Not because he was saving money, because he wasn't allowed to shave his legs. He wore camel skin and ate grasshoppers and honey. Anyone fancy that diet? Do you know how you would smell if you're uh, wearing uh, camel skin? Oh, man. If, you, if I'm wearing camel skin now, you would smell me if you're in Houston. Like, <laughs> this is how it is. Okay. By the way, that's why he lived in the wilderness, yeah? So they wouldn't put up with him. <laughs> Look, guys. Being devoted, being consecrated, entering in a vow is, is what you are invited to. This is the life that you live. And in that, uh, David as well shared with us uh, at the end of last year, we're talking, we're going through First Peter, Second Peter, and here is something that he showed, he showed me, and I want to do it with you. If you, if we get to that. Uh, uh, passage, and it's in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, and it says, but you, but you, you're not like the world, but you, you are a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a devoted nation, a consecrated nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Chosen race means that it's not by your choice. Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's not that you chose me, I chose you. So therefore, it's dependent on grace, on his will. Okay, That's his pleasure. You would read that in Ephesians 1, for example. That's his pleasure. Okay, Choose us. He chose me. I can depend on that, David was telling us last Sunday. 
I can depend on his will, his grace. He is the one who makes us. He's the one who shapes us. He's the one who's going to make us devoted as well. Right? Then your royal priesthood, and that he's the one who's giving us purpose. He's the one as well who's giving us that calling to be his priests. Okay? And in that, this is the responsibility that we have. You are his priest. David was telling us last Sunday, I'm a representative of Christ. That's not because he's the senior leader of the church only. No, that's because he is his priest. He's a royal priest. Guess what? You're a royal priest. You're a royal priest. You represent him whenever, wherever. That's not just on Sundays. That's not just in the two minutes of devotion that Harry's giving us. No, that's all the time. You represent him. And then you're a holy nation. You're a consecrated nation. You're a devoted nation. You're like the utensils in the temple or, or the tabernacle. They were only for God's glory. They were only used or to be used just for the service, the ministry of God. You're consecrated. And this is why you don't look like the rest of the world. You don't eat bacon. That's not because it's not yummy. It is. At least to me. Ah. Uh, <laughs> and, and no, that's because I'm consecrated to God. And then the last one David was telling me, uh, being a people of his own possession, this is where I find my identity. Don't even find my identity in being a priest, a royal priest. No. It's just that he transferred me from the kingdom of darkness and made me his own. He made me his own. He bought me by his blood. My identity and my belonging is found in being his possession. This is being devoted. If you you start actually living all your life from understanding that it's all about him. It's about his choice, his will, his grace. It's about him giving me the calling, the purpose uh, of my life, what to live for, the responsibility to call, about his ex excellencies, which is being a priest. This is all about him. And therefore, I am his, so I'm going to live like that. I'm going to be, we are going to be, a holy nation. We are going to be the body of Christ that follows the head. And by the way, only he is the head. We have the tendency to be the head. That place is taken. That job is not open. No vacancies. All right? You're the body. You follow. You follow. I follow. We follow him. We are his possession. This is our value. This is who we are. This is our existence. So one of the, one of the pictures uh, in the Bible about being devoted and living that life, and it is our calling, uh, is found in being a bride. So if we read together uh, Ephesians 5, uh, and we'll... So it says, Husbands... Love your wives, and 
forget about husbands now, okay? Just look at what uh, Jesus, okay? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Following the verse, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. David was speaking to us. He is the one who does the shaping. He is the one who makes us beautiful, a beautiful bride. He is the one who gets us to be devoted, consecrated. He's the one who gets us to be without blemish or wrinkle or spot or any such thing. He's the one who gets us to be in splendor, standing before him, to be married to him. How <coughs> glorious. Okay? He is the one who does that. You have to keep that in your mind as we're going on. And uh, there is another passage that I would like us to read together in uh, Esther 2. And uh, so Esther was a Jewess living in uh, uh, nowadays Iran, Persia. And uh, she, was, she was having the opportunity to be chosen by the king to be a queen. Okay? So this is, this is the story. Okay? Uh, now when uh, the turn came for each young woman to go uh, into the king, Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period for their beautifying, six months with the oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women. Following verse, when the young woman went into the king, in this way, she was given whatever she desired. Uh, she desired to take with her from the harem, that's where she was, the first harem, to the king's palace. After that, in the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem in custody of some, some guy's name, <laughs> Mr. Easy, uh, the king's uh, eunuch. He's the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king is delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of blah, 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 uh, who had taken her as his own daughter, that's Mordecai, his, her cousin, uh, she was an orphan and he took her as his own daughter to go into the king's to, to the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had trained, uh, who, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. Let me let me bring you up to that story. So Esther is go is having that amazing opportunity. Now that's Esther. We have that amazing opportunity in college. Okay, Esther has an opportunity. She is not sure whether she is going to be the queen or not. 
we are sure. So Esther collaborated with everything that she had to learn and go through for a whole year. And by the way, after the year. Yeah? Okay. So what do you think we should do? Now, she learned about the king. She learned about his ways, his character, what he likes. Would he, would he uh, like a nasal voice or not? So she had to change her voice from being nasal, kind of like that, into maybe not. Or maybe he liked that, and she had to change it. Okay? She looked at protocols, how to approach him, how to address him what to say, what not to say, how not to nag, which is quite difficult for a bride, yeah? Uh, you see that? She had to think about not carry out herself normally, because this is the king. You know, the world would tell you, you don't do that for anyone. He should appreciate who you are. Doesn't he know who he's getting? I watched some videos now, and there are some really deluded people. <laughs> and uh, when they ask them about what, what should happen in the first day, oh, he should get me this, he should do that, and he should pay for this, and he should show me that he appreciates me. Great. What do you bring to the table? Myself. <laughs> A word of advice. I'm talking here about Christ and the church. Yeah? Don't do that with Jesus. Maybe you can be deluded on earth with men. Don't be deluded spiritually. Don't think that this is, this is what you're bringing. No. No, dear. We're, go we're going to bring ourselves and cooperate with him that he would make us what's on his heart. So imagine, see, the, the young lady got soaked in oil for six months. Uh, you know, that oil of mirth, I don't know how it smells and that, you know, but just the idea that I would keep putting on or being soaked in oil for whatever length of time, I've already been soaked yesterday. <laughs> like smelling, smelling, I smell mirth, okay? Yeah, you need today again. Uh, okay? N I'm wrinkly now. I'm all wrinkly. Like, you know when you stay in the bath and you're... Okay? I'm all wrinkly. More. More. This is how we get shaped. If you're soaked in the Holy Spirit. With the, with the clay... See, the clay, if it doesn't get shaped according to his will, that's the passage that David for, read for us last night. God would make it into a different vessel. Now, look at this. There is the table, and it's turning, and don't put any spins. That's what David is telling us. Here's the thing. The first thing that uh, a potter would do, and you can watch those things online. I watched some, so I would know what I'm talking about. They clean the table. Then they clean it as well with water. So there is a bit of a layer of water on top of the table. Then they get the clay, smack it onto the table, and the first thing 
they put some water on it from its country. And then they squish it down all the way and squeeze it all the way up, regardless of what they're going to shake. And what he's looking for is the clay is in submission to the potter. Being devoted is to submit to him and his ways, regardless you agree with it or not. You think it's intelligent or not. It's wise or not. It would work or not. You like it or not. You submit to him. But baking, baking is great. Mm, no baking. No baking. Prawns? King prawns. Have you, have you had king prawns? I have not. No plant. Clams? Mussels? No. Not according to my ideas. It's according to his will. So you, we might be the bride, and you might think, I don't like the scent of the oil of myrrh. Uh, yeah, sure. Soak in it. I don't like the six months of spices. That's what you need. That's what you need. So she's like that. She's in those years. But she's as well learning about who the king is, what he likes, how to talk to him, how to please him, how, how to, that he would find delight in her. Can I ask us, I want to ask you individually, but I want to ask us as a church, is that all what is occupying your mind? Is that all that consumes you? How can he find delight in me? How can I be delightful to him? I want you, Jesus, to beautify me because you deserve. Not because I want to be beautiful and I want to have status and I want people to look at me, look at me, I'm amazing. No, I don't care about who would look at me. I care only for his eyes, for how he would see me, how he would look at me and be happy. That's devotion. I'm married. Patricia and I celebrated uh, 25 years of marriage just last November. And uh, Trudy was and is devoted to me. She doesn't look at me and kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that she likes me, I don't know why, but anyway. <laughs> And she likes others. Oh, she's not doing anything like she's not. But she likes others as well. Beside me. Just beside me. You know? She's not going anywhere wrong. Don't, don't misunderstand. She just has her eyes for me, but as well some others. And other things. No. No. She doesn't give her eyes or her mind or her emotions or her heart, or her body, to anyone else. I'm the only person on planet Earth 
that to give him the privilege to please my wife. I'm the only one that is given pleasure by her. I'm the only one that she cares for in that way. No one else. That's a devoted bride. That's a devoted wife. I'm the only one she submits to. The only one. Because I'm her husband. Biblically, I'm her head. I know some people don't like that, but that's the Bible. You know, have a problem with the Bible. We are his body. He is our head. You see the imagery. We submit to Jesus. Only Jesus. Not even ourselves. Not our ambitions, our dreams, our desires, our plans our way of thinking and our attention and all what consumes us and what we care for is him, his way, what's on his mind, what he wants, that he would be pleased, that he would be glorified. You see the life that we are called to live? Regardless of how far we are from that. But remember, he makes us. He makes us like that. He dresses us in splendor. The issue is he, that he won't be dressing you and you are ripping the dress. He would be putting, you know, your makeup, your scent, and then you go and wallow in the vomit or the mire. No. You, you accept. You receive what he's doing and you cooperate with him by not messing it up. So like if someone is making makeup, that shouldn't be me. You would have your eyes poked. And okay? You don't and mess it up and then look like a clown. No. And you don't put your own makeup because you will overdo it. You know when you put a lot of makeup You allow him to take charge of you, to minister to you and change you, change you from the inside, from the inside out. Because you see, even with the Torah, with the instructions that people were following, it wasn't just about following things on the outside. It was about actually the circumcision of the heart. It was about actually following Jesus. It was about like... Uh, it is written in the prophets, and Jesus was mentioning that, I remember, I think, uh, Matthew 15. Okay, Jesus saying, truly the prophet said about you, you are a people who honor me with your lips, but your heart, your innermost being, with all that is within me, David was leading us in prayer, oh, your heart is, is far away from and he came, and he said, I'm going to change your heart. He's going to change your heart from a heart of stone 
that doesn't know how to submit, doesn't know how to love, doesn't know how to be devoted and consecrated. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And I'm going to pour my spirit on you so that you will seek me and you will seek me wholeheartedly and I will be found by you. If we just receive what he is doing, if we just collaborate with him, we will live a Christ-centered, devoted life. He would be what you're thinking of. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking of him. You go through the day, you're thinking of him. You go to eat, you're thinking of him. You go to sleep, you're thinking of him. We wake up, we're thinking of him. Going out, coming in, sleeping or waking, before me or behind me, all what I'm thinking is him. And the reason he is, verse 5, he is the one who bought me. He is the one who transferred me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's not like you would think about nowadays marriages. Marriages nowadays, and there is a word here, by the way, for either someone here or someone at home. See, marriages nowadays is uh, we agree together, and if things are still working for me, I keep it going. As soon as it doesn't work for me, we part ways. As soon as it becomes becomes tough, we part ways. We say, it's not working for me anymore. Or media say, we fell out of love. I don't love you anymore. I want to tell you, and again, there is a word here for someone, that's the word. God hates divorce. God doesn't hate you. God hates divorce. God can teach you, shape your heart to love again, to love your wife, even if you're feeling, I fell out of love. This is not working for me anymore. Just submit to him. Rely as well on the body, on his grace, his mercy, his strength, his wisdom, his ways. And he will redeem and restore you and your marriage and your family. As a bride, as, as our invitation to be a bride, you cannot be for yourself. You cannot be for your dreams. You cannot be for your ambitions. You cannot live even according to your plan. Submit to him. And you won't just become beautiful. You will become a faithful wife. We will become a faithful, faithful, devoted, honoring wife. To wrap up, there are three things that I believe would help you if you really want to live a Christ-devoted life. The first thing, you cannot be devoted to someone if you don't know him. If you don't know his ways, his thinking, his principles, his values. If you don't get to know him as who he is, get to know his goodness, (coughs) his kindness, his mercy, 
you get to know his faithfulness, that he never lets go. He never lets go. You get to know the price that he paid and why. You get to know him, his character, his ways, his will, what he chose. Oh, if you would live for that, if you would keep knowing him, I tell you, you won't be able to fancy anything else. If you see him, you see his beauty, his glory, how awesome he is, his faithfulness. You will find yourself worshipping. I'm not saying singing songs, I'm saying worshipping. Spending all your time adoring him. When you're working, when you're with your family, when you're amongst your neighbors, when you are in any relationship, you are about him because he is light. Live to know him. Live to know him. Live to know him, his character, his will, his goodness, his faithfulness, his ways. And learn about that so that you can learn to please him, to get along with him. Number two. Rely on the Holy Spirit to understand, to realize that his plans, his plans, his ways are the best. Only if you realize that, you won't keep bargaining. You see? David and I can keep bargaining together because we're trying to work out whose idea is best. Okay? Because he's the senior leader, I submit to him. Even though I know my my idea is better. Okay? That's us humans. We think that way. But there is no comparison. Trust me, your your thought, your idea, your plan is not better. Is not. You know? Peter thought, hey, look, you are the Messiah. That means the anointed one. The anointed one to save us, to rule over the whole world and to restore peace and to reconcile all things to God and to rule over the world forever and ever because he will set the son of David on the throne forever. Yeah? So you you are the one anointed by God to do that. And you are the son of God as the king, but as well. So Peter said, great. So uh, according to that, and on this rock, I just want to tell you, I'm going to be handed over to the rulers, to the priests, and I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to die on a cross. And the same Peter said, hey, 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 hey. That's not right. <laughs> uh, you know, don't don't have a big head because I told you you're the son of God, and you don't do that. And Peter, in humility, mentioned that in the Gospel of Mark to tell us, "Yeah, don't do that. That was stupid." We follow him. 
You see, only when you're convinced about His path, His way, you would actually not just benefit from His path, His way, you will stick to it. And then you will see glory. You see, you stick to Jesus, you go to where He commands you to go, and then you will see Him there. See, the disciples went where Jesus commanded them to go. And then they came back saying, well, ah, unbelievable. People were healed, people were there. Even evil spirits were obeying God in your name. You follow him. Things work. You follow your way. Don't keep bargaining with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, to reveal to you, so that you would submit and understand and realize your plan is the best plan. A Jew who knows that being on a cross, being hanged on a tree is a curse, is saying, I do not feel ashamed of the cross. Because I know the cross of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. Whenever I want to change, whenever I want to die to the world, whenever I want the world to die to me, whenever I want to live a consecrated life, I have a way. The cross of Jesus and his resurrection. This is why Paul is praying for the people in Ephesus. And he's saying, I'm praying. I'm praying, I'm praying all the time. I'm bowing my knee and I'm praying that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In knowing him, in knowing the riches of his calling, is what he called you for, and in knowing his power that would make that possible in your life. The power that worked in Jesus to raise him from the dead would raise you from your death, would raise us from where we're stuck and where we're dead. Give us life. So know him. Know him. Depend on the Holy Spirit to reveal you, to know, to reveal to you so that you would know him. The third point. Know him. Hopefully you would realize and understand by the power of the Holy Spirit his calling his calling to you and his plan are the plan. There are no other plans. There are no alternative plans. There are no contingency plans. Only his plan. So that you won't keep bargaining. Third thing is what David spoke to us last Sunday. Depend on him. Depend on him to know him actually. Depend on him to realize that his plans are the best plan. But depend on him. His wisdom his power, his might, to transform you into his likeness, to guide you into all what you need and to walk in his will, in his path. Only God can make you do that. Only God can lead you to be able to sacrifice Isaac. Only God, only God, would transform people who ran away 
wasn't even able to watch Jesus on the cross. Who denied Jesus and couldn't face up to being called a follower of Christ. And he transformed him into not just loving Christ, but even dying on a cross like his Lord is upside down. Only the Holy Spirit, only the power of God, his might, his wisdom. I don't know how to go through this. I don't know. I don't think I'll be even, even to take a step. Just depend on me. I'll show you the way. I'll show you the way. I'll show you how to change. I'll make that happen. I will guide you. And I'll be with you till the end of time. Depend on him. Know him. Accept and realize that his plan is the best plan and the only plan. And depend on him so that you can know him and understand and as well walk with him. Depend on him that he will make you able to become like Jesus. You stand with me, please. We're going to sing a song as our prayer and response. Remember, what you can do is to accept his gift. You accept what he is doing. And you try not to mess up. And you don't know how to do that. But he, he will guide you. So you surrender to him. You let him rule over you. You let him guide you. You let him, you give him time so that he will speak to you. And you obey. And you don't know how to obey. So you depend on him to get you to be obedient. This is the song that we're going to sing. So I want you to really think about the words that we're singing. And as we're repeating it, I don't know how many times we'll repeat it, but as we're repeating it, mean it more and more. And when you feel, I don't know if I can do this, rely on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you make me more and more like that? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. in person and online.